able to design a full shoe in this color scheme. And obviously all the responsibility and sustainability angles of IWC was respected. The technology and innovation that they have in their products was kind of translated to a smaller scale about what we do. Hello and welcome to another episode of Partners in Time. Today, I'm talking to Guillaume Philibert, a Dutch designer and founder of the streetwear brand Filling Pieces. While studying architecture in Amsterdam, he became aware of the demand for a premium sneaker uh, for a fair price. And then he started his first collection in 2009. This year, IWC teamed up with the brand to create something special around a color and some some special drop yeah and we're going to talk about it we're going to talk about his life how he started there's a lot to learn in this episode if you're a young and aspiring person who tries to fulfill his passion listen up to this episode of partners in time so hello guillaume philippe philippe i'm having trouble pronouncing your name i, I learned some french in my school times how do you pronounce your name properly i'm very sorry to start with that question but I all have, good all good i need some guidance <laughs> all good what's up my name is my name is guillaume Gu guillaume philibert okay born and raised in amsterdam and uh yeah my name is uh it's a french name i was not born yeah. in, in france i have not a lot of connections with france but i was named after my grandpa um whose name was philibert guillaume um and uh yeah a proud name carrier that's kind of nice and and Guillaume is uh, how your friends call you or what what's your like yeah I mean it's it's a hard it's a hard name it's a hard name to pronounce so I think my close friends and people around me at the office they call me G so please feel free to use me G uh, at any time <laughs> <laughs> very good what's up G so you're in Amsterdam right now I'm in Amsterdam yeah that's where our head office is uh, is based at the design studio um, and yeah I was I was born and raised in the Netherlands That's very nice. I like Dutch people a lot uh, as a German. Uh, that's not like we, we, I spent a lot of time there uh, in my youth growing up at the Eiselmeer. Eiselmeer, is it called Eiselmeer? Like the, the. Eiselmeer, yes, 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 the waters. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. I've spent a lot of time there. Beautiful place. Can you introduce yourself? Like, what, how do you, if I would meet you now and I ask you, what is it you do? So what's your job? What what would you say? Because I know your background. I'm following you for some some times, and I, I like your stuff. You. But maybe some of the listeners don't know exactly what it is. So maybe you can introduce. Exactly. Yourself. I'm a, I'm gonna start my elevator pitch. <laughs> yes. No, my name is uh, my name is my name is Guillaume Philibert. Um, I'm the founder and creative director of a Dutch fashion brand called Feeling Pieces. I studied architecture, and I always had this big passion for product, most most especially of shoes and footwear. And at the age of 19, while studying architecture, being a broke student, I couldn't really afford like the higher end brands like Gucci, Louis Vuitton, etc. I was a little bit tired of like the sneakers that were made by Adidas and Nike. I was looking for something a bit more dress up, a little bit more qualitative, and uh, I couldn't really find it in the market. And then that's when I started exploring to, you know, build a product designing for a shoe that was really like bridging the gap between high-end and, and streetwear. And that's actually how it started. Other than that, I'm a father of a one and a half year old. I got married uh, this year. So family is very important to me. And uh, other than that, yeah, we're just building the brand uh, from day to day. 
and a shoe designer. So that's how, how do you start designing shoes? Did you scribble it first, or did you did you buy samples, or because because that's I do some clothing yeah. myself, and see, I'm not yeah. touching shoes. I'm not touching shoes because like that's the holy grail. I think it's probably the hardest, and you have to really have design and. Uh, I've seen some bad shoe designs, uh, so so I'm <laughs> yeah. really scared of that. So I'm surprised you started with that. How how was your first It's, thing? So you studied architecture. Yes, I studied architecture, and uh, during my first years, I was I was really liking the whole approach. I was really able to during the study to learn how to design all the ethos, like what does what does it bring to the table to make a design, conceptualizing certain projects and um you know i'm a very impatient person and you know architecture takes a lot of time before something is designed approved and eventually being built and for the people to actually experience a building so you know during my study i was working on these projects and i felt that i wanted to have something for myself something that i could sketch and and potentially sample and i started just like you know putting the first lines on the paper and after first few tries i had this design And I felt like, hey, this is something I could actually approach a, a factory with. I went to Google, started looking for like shoe manufacturers, and I found this place in, in Asia that was able to do uh, 50 pairs of shoes. I made like, I must say, looking at it from now, it was quite like a materialistic kind of sketches, but I mean, the factory was able to work with it. I sent them a shoe that I really liked in terms of the last and the fit. And uh, yeah, I kind of had the first sample, which didn't look, really look good. Uh, so a few samples after that, I had this final sample in my hand and I felt uh, confident enough to make 50 pairs. And, you know, at a very young age, it was, you know, I had to save up money from my job that I had uh, working in a retail store. And I was able to, to kind of collect the first funds to yeah, do the first 50 pairs. Then the four, first 50 pairs sold out within a few days. Where did you sell them? To friends and family. It really started as a hobby. And then, um, you know, those first 50 pairs were, I restocked 100 pairs. So I really grew like organically from 50 to 100, from 100 to 200, from 200 to 500, etc. And that's also the time when the first kind of You know, I would say streetwear blocks started to become booming, like high snobiety, yeah. high beast, complex. And they really liked the approach of this young kid doing something with footwear. Uh, so I really got their support because there was no marketing budget. There was an advertising budget. It was just me from my uh, the garage of my parents trying to do this footwear thing. And um, it was really funny that because those blocks and uh, I remember Selfridges started buying into it. Then Ronnie Fike started with Kit. He saw the products at the store in New York. So he started carrying it and very organically through, you know, connections and me going with a little suitcase to stores to kind of pitch the brand, uh, more retailers started buying it. And that's actually how we made the step from like first sketch, the first prototype and, and sample towards the first collection with one shoe and three colors for like retailers to pick it up. And that's how we kind of built uh, slowly in the beginning. It's super nice to hear that because like I know a lot of listeners are interested in starting a thing like that and you just gave a blueprint how to do it you know because that's and I'm 100% convinced that that's a way to do it so I, I want to know a little bit more about it so like you yeah. walked around stores and you physically because I do believe it's very important story is very important to tell that story and you're a good storyteller yeah. I can say now already um, and second of all Personal contact is very important to convince somebody 
that you're really passionate about it because everybody says he's passionate but uh, passion is something you have to feel and it's very hard to feel it through telephone or even harder through email it's easier to transport passion uh, if you're talking to people if you're showing physically up um did you is there some fake it till you make it in there as well like how, did you pretend a little bit that you were bigger when you approached those stores or or how how can i see one of those pitches like how's the elevator pitch in the store being the very very first ones i mean to be very honest with you um everything was quite honest right of course you kind of have a conversation with a certain retailer where you name drop some potential stores that replied to your email that wanted to buy into it or but i've always had this approach of listen this is what i'm doing i hope people like it if they don't then you know that's a shame but you know on to the next thing and you know i don't really believe in the whole you know acting to be more than you are so i mean it works for a lot of people and a lot of brands but i took the more like i would say honest approach And like, yeah, like you said, it's, it's quite tough. And a lot of people have these dreams. But I think the difference between people that make it or people that, you know, are struggling a little bit more to make a dream reality is that, you know, of those, let's say a thousand stores, because I made a list, I was on Google early to like, see what kind of brand mix we wanted to be displayed next to. Uh, we really try to bridge the gap between high end and streetwear, which made it easier for us to pick retailers that sell like like the the more premium Nike accounts and or like tiers and we were very I would say curated about what retailers we were approaching which makes it easier to get a starting point of where you want to be I think it's very important for people that start brands to figure out the place in the market who they want to sell to what brands are competitors or they want to be displayed next to so it was easier for us to kind of get the direction of hey this is where we want to go and You know, getting back to my point uh, earlier is that, you know, I emailed probably a thousand stores of those thousand stores, oh, really? maybe, yeah, maybe like a handful or maybe let's say 20 or 30 stores replied, but some of them were interested. So I really went in with my suitcase or my little sample trolley to these retailers to really passionately explain about the product, the quality, the fit, the design details, or why they should buy it. And Still from there, I only got two or three retailers that said, hey, listen, we want to try it, but we don't want to buy into it. So if you just have stock, you can work on consignment, which means I would give them the stock that I prepaid and they would just pay me for whatever they sold. And that's how we kind of got a foot into the door and were able to you know, display products in store. And a lot of people ask me, like, is it important to work with retailers nowadays? Because everything is moving towards direct to consumer. Um, I do feel it really helped our brand in the beginning to get the visibility uh, for people to go to a store, get the story from this, from the boutique or the reseller explaining, hey, this is what the shoe stands for. This is what the brand stands for. You should try it on. We really, you know, using and use that kind of visibility in stores to build more awareness around the brand. And like you said, it's definitely not easy. It's definitely not an easy category, but I picked shoes specifically because I felt that it was untapped territory. And the reason why we started with this, I would say, you know, niche between high-end streetwear, which was very small back then, is that I really saw a momentum of, you know, cultural icons and, 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 and very influential artists such as Kanye West wearing Dior denim with, 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 with Jordan shoes or, you know, Pharrell Williams wearing a Margiela jacket with some Adidas shoes on. So we really saw this mix 
on these artists of mixing high-end pieces with more streetwear pieces. And, you know, I'm not saying that we founded this this niche or gap, but I do think that we were very early on seeing this wave and momentum in the fashion industry where high-end would come more towards streetwear and streetwear would become more, come more to the high-end part. And I think we just started at the right time with the right story and product to kind of see this fashion trend or momentum in the market or change uh, to see it up front, which uh, worked you know, beneficial for us because we were able to sell in the sneaker boutiques, but also sell in department stores next to the high-end brands and be kind of the entry price point um, part. How much did Amsterdam play a role? Because in my perception, Amsterdam is like one of the sneaker capitals in the world, and Nike yeah. is there. And like so, so like it's it's if you're into sneakers and you need some inspiration, spend a weekend in Amsterdam and look at people's yeah. shoes. So like that's insane what happens there. Do you feel like that was important for you too? Yeah, I think honestly. There's so many aspects about Amsterdam or the Netherlands in general, which is interesting. So a little bit about my background is that my parents are from Suriname, which is a, uh, which is, used to be a Dutch colony. And obviously the Dutch people colonized a lot of places in the world, which is a, that's why also the Netherlands is quite multicultural, right? Like you have so many Surinamese people, people from Indonesia, you have so many different ethnicities, which kind of makes Amsterdam also a melting pot of different cultures. And we will get later later in this conversation, we'll get to it, how that is, is kind of inspiring me or the brand. But there's so many different ethnicities that all come with a different cultural backgrounds and style. And that's why also I would say the style in general, the Netherlands is very uh, mixed and mixed and diverse. Other than that, I think that the Netherlands geographically is very centralized in Europe, right? Like we're an hour away from Paris by playing an hour away from London, Milan. So and also all the Nordic countries. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a very, I would say, interesting place. And other than that, I think there's people that I have to pay my respect to that kind of paved the way for us and for streetwear in general, which are the guys from Pata. You know, they were very early on going to, the New, York, to New York and to other places in the States to kind of know what was happening, buying sneakers. And they really brought, I would say, the sneaker scene they made it bigger in the Netherlands. And for example, the Air Max One, which is a very, I would say, popular shoe in, in street culture, like one of the biggest markets in Europe for the Air Max One was the Netherlands. So this really also helped kind of this sneaker vibe in, in Amsterdam. And to be honest with you, like a lot of people know Amsterdam as this cool place to go for all these touristic things, but there's a lot of like subcultures that are really empowering and, and and making this city what it is. And I think that the story of me coming from Amsterdam with the sneaker brand opened a lot of doors internationally for people to take it serious, to say like, hey, that's a cool brand from Amsterdam. Oh, I know Amsterdam. I know the guys from Pata. I know the guys yeah, from this and yeah. this, you know? So to be honest with you, yeah, it really helped us coming from Amsterdam, at least with the story. But then again, also the product and the whole branding had to be on point uh, in order to you know, open the door and represent ourselves in the right way. So uh, there is uh, clothing you do. You started in shoes, yeah. so you widened your product portfolio. And now there's even a collab IWC X filling pieces. So, or is it exactly. filling pieces X IWC? I, I like, are you excited about that? I want to talk about that. I'm and so I also, excited. Like, what is it? What's, what's going on? Tell me, walk me through it. 
Yeah, so a little bit of the story is that we started with shoes over 10 years ago. There's one part of the brand that not a lot of people know of, which is that what it stands for, right? Like Clean Pieces literally is like our products and what we do should be the connection between different people. We want to, you know, bridge the gap. There's a gap. We wanted to bridge it with a certain product, right? But the brand is way more than just a, a brand that wants to bridge the gap between two different segments in the market. Because if you look at streetwear, streetwear comes from black culture, right? Everyone knows that and, 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 and that's how it is. And high-end fashion was for, you know, the white elites. And with everything that we're doing, we try to really bring people together. Bridge the Gap is kind of our Nike, just do it. It's really like our purpose and our slogan because we really feel that the brand and the products are able to connect different people, cultures, and disciplines. So that's why we do so many things besides product, right? Like events, workshops, really empowering different people. And I think that this is something that, you know, is very relevant and important for positive change. So when we started with footwear and and, and, and try to have this purpose or, and, and fulfill this purpose, we felt that there was way more that we could do. Uh, so that's why we started with, with clothing. And a very important uh, aspect is also that after doing three seasons in China in the beginning, we moved to Portugal for better quality, faster deliveries, uh, more transparency of how the production process go. It's also near, more more closer to the Netherlands, so we can easily travel there and you know design and develop products. And we started with clothing because we felt that it was able to give us another layer to explain what we do and to speak to a bigger audience. And then eventually that also turned out to be a platform for different accessories, such as glasses and leather goods, which we're doing now. And to really expand the brand to a level where we can call ourselves a fashion house or fashion brand. And I think, you know, with the different categories that we're doing, we speak to, you know, a very broad audience from like kids that are 13, 14, buying their first pair of shoes, uh, of luxury shoes till, you know, this older gentleman or woman that wants to have a nice pair of shoes that looks good, um, but they can also wear at formal occasions or more casual occasions. So I'm very proud of being able to serve such a big audience. And that's, I think, also one of the reasons uh, and the cultural part of the brand why we got, or at least I got approached by IWC to become one of their brand ambassadors, uh, because I think the values of, of both brands really align. Like IWC is really about craftsmanship, storytelling, beautiful craft, from decades, uh, from decades until today, still very relevant and really like iconic design. And this is something that we as filling pieces really believe in. Me as a designer really believe in that besides making products that we want to, you know, create or at least empower positive change. So I became a brand ambassador for IWC and we started kind of flirting about certain ideas that we could do because there's so many, I would say, comparisons or, or, or like-mindedness when it comes to product design and how the brands speak out a certain message. And that's when we started to kind of, yeah, first had raw, raw ideas about working on a product together. And um, like you said, there's a shoe coming out actually with IWC, which is completely designed and built in the ethos of their monochromatic, uh, um, you know, Top Gun watches. And uh, we were able to work on the woodland color, which is a, a Pantone uh, patented color um, together with IWC. And we were able to design a full uh, shoe in this um, color scheme. And obviously all the responsibility and sustainability angles of IWC was respected and 
the technology and innovation that they have in their products was kind of translated to a smaller scale about what we do. So, um, yeah, we're very grateful to be able to work with such a, a known name, um, but also the craftsmanship and the experience that comes with it is something that we learn a lot uh, from. So it is a sneaker. It's a shoe at the end, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a shoe. It's one of our more popular silhouettes. And it is green. Yeah, it's green. Woodland green. Super. I love that color. It's my favorite color of the whole thing. Was nice. that yours too? Or, or which which of the... Because all that Pantone thing. I like Mojave too a lot. Like Yeah, Mojave is amazing. Maybe yeah. second, maybe 2.0. Yeah, maybe in the future. I mean, ideally, I... I hope I hope the project releases well and that that the seals are yeah. good and that we're all you know positive and then hopefully a 2.0 would be uh, yeah would be great. But I think green is a great color. Uh, normally in fashion they say uh, green is gone, is only costing you money, but I believe this green is a dark, beautiful, rich green <laughs> that hopefully speaks to a lot of people. Yeah. How do you launch it? Like, where is it gonna? Is there like a, a plan of launching it? Because I, in the past, you did a very, very good job in launching products. You told a beautiful Thank story you. about product launches. So I'm, I'm curious to find out, uh, can you tell me a little bit what, what's going to happen? Yeah, 100%. So to give you a little bit of a sneak preview uh, about what we have planned is that the shoe is will release on a global scale through uh, our website. But then again, we're also trying to really do like the physical experience. Uh, about over a year ago, we uh, opened our flagship store in Amsterdam, which is really in the city center. Okay. And uh, IWC will do a full pop-up in the store displaying the Woodland Topkin watch and also uh, the shoe, uh, which will also then be available. And we really try to build this little IWC boutique. We call it the smallest boutique, the IWC smallest boutique in our store to display and tell the, the, the right story. And obviously, there's a lot of inspiration that goes behind the Top Gun IWC Woodland watch. Yeah, we really tried to design a shoe with those same ethos and then trying to do a lot of activities in the city. So we have a dinner planned and like an activation planned. What is interesting is that there's a campaign that will be um, shot and also uh, include certain young talents uh, of different colors and backgrounds that will, uh, nice. yeah, that will tell the story of Woodland, which is quite, uh, quite interesting. So I can't wait to show you. <laughs> and when is it going to be? It's releasing this year in September. So uh, that's quite uh, quite fast. So I just received the final samples um, of the shoe, which look good. So yeah, I'm very excited for this to release this year. There will a lot of positivity hopefully be uh, around this uh, anticipation. And uh, we'll try to do a lot of things also outside of the store in terms of activations and visibility. So hopefully you will see it around uh, when, when you come over. Sometimes it's not the easiest. If you do limited stuff, <laughs> it's not the easiest yeah. to get your hands on. Is this limited too? Is it going to be hard to like, or is there enough supply? Uh, we're making a hundred pairs, so hopefully there's there's oh, quite boy. some demand for it. Uh, it's not a lot of pairs, uh, but we we'll sort you out like uh, to get you a pair. Twelve and a half. Uh, no, I need a twelve and a half. Twelve <laughs> and a half. I got you. That's the forty. That's a forty-six in our uh, in our shoe. No, we make it happen, but um. Yeah, they have a they have a program IWC with um, kind of a digital program for their brand fans to be part of, and I think they get an early access. But uh, yeah. yeah, I hope okay. we we hope the shoes sell out as soon as possible, and uh, I think with these quantities that won't be a problem. Are you wearing an IWC as of now, as we speak? What's on your wrist yeah. right now? Yes, I have the uh, the big pilot. Uh, it's the forty three. Oh, nice. It's the 
the steel one with a black dial uh, came out uh, last year. And uh, yeah, I really like it. I think that there's so many little de design details that keep, you know, uh, kind of pulling attraction. And, um, you know, it's, it sounds maybe, I sound maybe a little bit as a, as, as a, as a geek, but I really love products and lines and designs and choices of materials. So there's so many depth in this watch that I keep looking at it. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, I just love products. It's maybe it sounds a little bit crazy, but I just love design and, and, and materials and also the finishes of watches. And, uh, I think it's a, it's a beautiful brand with so many history and a bright future. Because you wear IWC as well, right? I've seen that on your page and I've seen the work you've Absolutely. done with them, which is incredible. So which one are you wearing, if I may ask? Uh, Mojave, yeah. Top Gun, uh, big pilot, Mojave. Oh, wow. Just like the color blocking that amazes me how. And, and wow. you know, we both work in the, in the design world. How hard it is to match materials. Like, I'm oh, so God. impressed yeah. to, like, it's something that's easy to say, but it's so hard to match a band with, like, dials and like exactly. the, the, the way they match those colors in the like it's impressive and i i like and i think yeah. the woodland is even better in that like the the way the black like talks with the dark green and sometimes exactly. it's matte sometimes it's shimmery it's like i could look forever That's on that watch and it's it's insane especially those color ones that's my favorite ones by far right now and i'm i'm wearing it daily and and i'm really impressed by it and it's like and i found a, i'm very happy these days because i'm i'm trying to like this year i'm trying to get a little bit more active and stuff like that so like i've i've found a way of gathering data with like some fitness device that has no screen so it's like it's called whoop whatever it's a it's just an app solution that kind of tracks your sleep and your activity and everything mm -hmm. so i have that side on my right wrist and it matches perfectly with the iwc on my left wrist for the the time so i'm i'm super laid back regarding uh, i found a solution for me a personal solution that how works, i'm happy right? <laughs> wearing wearing a watch but still gathering some data on my other yeah. list and and that's that's really really nice i have one question i ask everybody that's coming around because we're already coming to an end i could listen forever to what you're saying Thank because you. it's super interesting and i really want to get to know you in amsterdam so please let's set it any up. way yeah. um, i can be part of of those uh, things I'm, i'm gonna come to amsterdam and um, for sure but it's something like you seem like a busy guy so um, one thing that I ask every person because I want to get to know a little bit more about the personality is if you have one extra hour over each day. So you, you just like I give you as a present an extra hour, but you yeah. can only use it for one thing. What would you use it for? I would say family time um, okay. because I think, just think it's so important. But I already try to balance my days better. So I have have enough time with my family. I I would say it's reading more, reading more books because I always feel that I don't have time to read. And every time I open a book, like I learn so much and I would definitely spend that hour in, in reading books and just getting to know more about certain topics or subjects. I would definitely, definitely do that reading. Very nice. I do understand that. I, I'm kind of in the same, I have three kids. So probably a little bit more time with the kids because because I'm I'm lacking there, but uh, it's it's very interesting. And I I really enjoyed listening to you with that 
Thank like, you. I don't want to sum it up like that, but it's very interesting that, and I that's probably the last question. Um, hmm. How important is timing, or was timing for your uh, career? Like, like, would you think that you could do the same thing now, or were you also quite good in like? Because at one point, you must have thought, okay, I'm 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 hitting something here that I'm really passionate about, and I can I can make this. This can work. You know, like how important was the timing factor into that? Well, what would you say? I like this question and nobody, almost no one ever asked me this question. Uh, and I think it's very important also for the listeners to hear is that timing is everything. And, you know, when you have a chance, you should, you should grab it with both hands. And sometimes it's got feeling or experience that tells you, hey, now is the timing. That's when you should go for it. And there's maybe a lot of people listening that, you know, want to start for something for themselves. It's, everything is about timing. I know for a matter of fact, if I started the brands two years earlier, I would definitely not succeed or had, had, had a chance to build something like, you know, that I've built. And also, if I started two years later, I think I would have already been too late and that I missed my chance. So, like I said, we felt something coming in the market, a new kind of not say trend but new momentum and we took it and i think that's also a solid uh, uh proof of timing that timing is everything and i think that you know sometimes something feels good but it's not the right timing then it wasn't meant to be but you know for me at this point it felt right it's the same as certain business decisions and even though sometimes i'm really pushing for something to work and it doesn't work because it's probably not the right timing and Getting back to the question about would I, was I would I be able to start something like I've done now again? Probably not the same, but then again, thankful enough, I was able to learn from a lot of my peers, able to learn a lot from the mistakes and the things that went well in the in the last of last of ten years. So I would probably be able to start something hopefully successful, but then again, I don't think it would be the same product or the same brand. It would probably be something else where the timing is right but timing is everything and unfortunately we cannot kind of force that it just meant to happen at one point and i just know that the advice to everyone is like when you feel there's a momentum coming up or you feel that it's the right time you should go for it because we only have one life to live that's a perfect ending even though that might sound cliche but it's it's, it's really what i believe in it's totally true and i i couldn't uh, yeah it's you're 100 right Yeah, you. if you want to follow G, uh, filling pieces is the the account. It's one word, and your personal one is G S R N N, right? Exactly. But if yeah. you put in, if you type in filling pieces, it it comes up um, on Insta. Yeah, uh, you 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 got a good, very stylish Insta game. It's worth following. You, thank you, thank you. <laughs> appreciate it, appreciate it. I'm gonna come around in uh, uh, September, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, woodland. Uh, yeah, no, no, it's gonna be nice. I'm, I'm very Thank much you, looking forward to that. Thanks. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.